0: Al Jazeera Podcast.
1: It's not a war. It's not a battlefield.
2: Israelis are not used to seeing scenes of such violence in their own communities.
1: It's something that I never saw in my life.
2: A massive surprise attack this weekend by Hamas has prompted an outpouring of grief and outrage and an unrestrained Israeli military response. — And artillery strikes on Gaza have pounded the Strip
0: from north to south, hitting what the Israeli army says are nearly 2,300
1: targets. — An unprecedented assault, as the Israeli defense minister says he has released all restraints on troops in their fight against Hamas.
0: —
1: I am saying here to everyone, we will wipe this thing called Hamas, ISIL-Gaza, off the face of the earth. It will cease to exist.
2: It has also, for now, put a halt to Israel's weekly protest movement that had threatened to topple one of the most radical governments the country has had in decades. Israel's divided politics had led to five elections in just three years. But on Wednesday, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu formed a unity government
0: it's been announced that Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the opposition leader Benny Gantz have agreed to form an emergency unity government and a wartime cabinet.
2: Israel's military has called up hundreds of thousands of army reservists in preparation for a ground war. But at the same time, there is public anger at the government for failing to protect its citizens. So as the country prepares for more conflict, where will that anger go? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take.
1: We started to hear your gunfire, like shooting live ammunition from a rifle or rifles. Oren
2: Ziv is a photojournalist in Israel with 972 magazine one of the few outlets in Israel run by both Palestinian and Israeli journalists.
1: In the beginning, we really didn't understand what's happening. We thought it was an exchange of fire of the army. Uh, but then we realized it's very close to us, and it's being shot at us from a nearby uh, Israeli village. But it was very clear it was uh, Palestinian or Palestinians uh, targeting us. We we're, were lying on the, uh, on the ground On a Saturday morning at 6.20, I get a phone call from a colleague telling me what's happening in Gaza. While I'm waking up, I understand there's sirens in Tel Aviv to alert for rockets that were launched from the Gaza Strip. As a photographer, I'm unfortunately used to this scenario, so I quickly gather my things and we start to drive south. But as we are going, we understand this is a different thing. When we start to get, get information about Hamas militants breaking into Israeli villages there across the border. The information was not uh, clear, but we start to understand this is something different. And as we approach a checkpoint, a flying checkpoint, at the entrance to the city of Zerot, we see the policemen very stressed, pointing us their weapons and saying we cannot pass. And we understand it's not... Uh, a usual thing of them trying to, to block us or to prevent coverage. You could see the fear in their eyes.
2: Oren said that on Saturday, the escalation of violence was different. It was happening outside Gaza rather than in it.
1: We don't remember something like this. This is the first time, I think since '48 that Palestinians initiate a war or such a serious attack on uh, the 48 territories, on the Israeli territories, take over villages, take over temporarily, uh, army bases and army vehicles, manage to kidnap at least 130 people and kill it around 1,000 people.
0: Rockets are still being fired very intensely from the Gaza Strip. We've also seen more and more videos and pictures come from the Palestinian fighters that have infiltrated into the Israeli towns.
1: This is something that nobody could estimate or imagine. And the, the big question that everybody's asking, soldiers, I speak to civilians, is how does this happen? How the army, the most strong army uh, in the Middle East with very strong technology and intelligence, an army that can arrest a Palestinian boy in the West Bank who wrote a post on Facebook, how did they not have any intelligence of this kind of operation? The combination
3: of being surprised and left several hundreds of people, left for hours on end, with no soldiers around, uh, no defenses, no help whatsoever, um, is something that is unheard of um, in Israel's uh, existence since 1948.
2: Medav Sunshine is the senior analyst for Israel-Palestine at the International Crisis Group. She's based in Tel Aviv.
3: The Israeli public is uh, both in shock and trauma and also full of rage and anger um, at this government
2: and at Hamas. She says the Israeli public is still processing what is now over 1,200 deaths in one single day. Medov says that's more fatalities than the entire period of the Second Intifada in the early 2000s.
0: The second intifada grew out of frustration over the collapse of the peace process in 2000. Palestinian tactics now focused on suicide bombings, rocket attacks, and sniper fire, which Israel met with even deadlier force.
3: There are several factors uh, that play out into how this happened, but it's clear that uh, there was a massive intelligence failure and a failure of uh, this government to prioritize the defences of the southern communities and instead prioritise putting a lot of IDF forces into the West Bank, which has been seeing the worst violence uh, in the last 20 years. Already,
2: more than 170 Palestinians and at least 27 Israelis have been killed, those numbers similar to the whole of the previous year.
0: Settlers once again attacking Palestinian property
2: in the town of Huwara, one of several outbreaks of settler violence.
3: Many IDF divisions were deployed there. There's been uh, huge amounts of settler violence and soldiers who are protecting and guarding settlers as they terrorize Palestinian communities.
2: Violence that's continuing to happen now. There was an attack just this week in the West Bank town of Hawara, and attacks are ongoing near Nablus, as we record this episode.
3: Israeli settlers have killed at least three Palestinians in attacks on a village south of Nablus in the occupied West Bank. Several others were injured in the violence, two of them critically. But the occupied West Bank is also being blockaded by the Israeli army.
2: As for Gaza, Medov says the Israeli public wants to see Hamas completely removed. and Israeli government official's rhetoric extends to Palestinians as a whole. This was Israeli Defense Minister, Yoav Galan, this week.
0: I have ordered a complete siege on the Gaza Strip. There will be no electricity, no food, no fuel. Everything is closed. We are fighting human animals, and we are acting accordingly.
2: Now, that response is playing out. Six days after the war began, Israel has killed more than 1,000 Gazans, and imposed an even tighter blockade on the area.
3: The Israeli military has openly said that it is currently seeking to inflict damage in general and not strike with precision, and it is also looking to take out all Hamas officials. The bombing of densely populated uh, residential areas in Gaza, which has been done uh, many times in the past, uh, has not necessarily led to a different outcome. So in many ways, this is... Just a need to exact a price of revenge uh, for what has happened.
2: Revenge that some people in Israel have been calling for. One Israeli MP called to use Jericho missiles, which are equipped to carry nuclear warheads. Another MP called for, quote, a second Nakba, unquote, one that would overshadow the Nakba of 1948. Nakba is an Arabic word used to describe the mass expulsion of Palestinians, during the war that established the state of Israel. At the same time, the start of the war appears to have brought an abrupt end, or at least a pause, to Israeli social unrest. Until this week, there had been regular demonstrations against what protesters see as threats to Israeli democracy, though the occupation was sidelined as an issue. Protesters kept their focus on Prime Minister Netanyahu's government, which has so far kept a hold on power by aligning with extreme far-right politicians.
0: Israeli society is fragmenting. Hundreds of thousands have been holding weekly protests against government plans to dismantle the separation of powers. People from all walks of society— judges, civil servants, business people, retirees, students, soldiers— never has such a broad base rallied behind a common goal like this. Many had never attended a demonstration before.
2: How Israeli protesters will react to the government now remains to be seen, Meirav says.
3: The extent of the failure of the political establishment and specifically Prime Minister Netanyahu to anticipate this attack and to provide a response tactical and strategic to what's going on so far uh, has led many, many Israelis who are already protesting his government to feel that he is uh, not able to be trusted, that he cannot be in a position of power How that's going to play out is unclear. Netanyahu is the longest serving prime minister. He's extremely resilient and he wants more than anything to hold his place as the prime minister. So it's unclear yet how this will pan out. But there is going to be increasing pressure by the Israeli public to both return home captives as long as um, they believe they're still alive and to remove him from power.
2: After the break, how calls for revenge are playing out in Gaza, and what could happen long-term. For people in Gaza, Horrific violence is an unfortunate reality. Israel's response to Hamas's offensive is an intensified version of the regular bombings and military operations that civilians there have endured for over
0: sixteen years in Gaza, we're talking about hundreds of fatalities, thousands of injuries. But still, it's too early to say exactly the scale, and it's still going on.
2: Droror Sadot is a spokesperson for B'Tselem, an Israeli human rights organization that has spent years documenting crimes against Palestinians and facing attacks from the Israeli government.
0: Of course, as soon as Israel understood, uh, you know, exactly what happened, it started its revenge policy. Um, officials talking about taking down Gaza completely and starting bombing Gaza massively. Our researchers in Gaza are having a hard time to also document at the same time the uh, human rights violations and the crimes that Israel is committing in the Strip.
2: As for that siege that Israel has imposed on Gaza, it's also creating conditions that Palestinians have seen before during years of blockade.
0: Israeli said it to imprison Gaza even more tightly than usual. The crossings are closed, goods cannot be brought in, uh, disconnected uh, the power grid and you know the, the population now depends on a small local power plant which only holds for a few
2: hours. And residents of Gaza reported that local power plant running out of fuel on Wednesday afternoon. Al Jazeera correspondent in Gaza, Yomna Al-Sayed, spells out what that means. Well, without electricity, it means that there's no water. It means that complete
0: darkness through the night. It means that
1: hospitals are going to be only operating with their emergency generators, which can only last from two to four days maximum. It means that most of The life in Gaza,
2: depending on electricity, has shut down. Which leaves Palestinians abandoned to their fate, and the Israelis like those at B'Tselem trying to shine a light that many people do not want to see.
0: This is a time to demand a different reality. You know, this revenge policy will only lead to more bloodshed. And we in B'Tselem believe that we can We should demand and we can picture another future for all the people sitting here from the river to the sea. Oren, the photographer,
2: agrees.
1: Of course, we must say that uh, the Israeli public and of course the Israeli politicians are ignoring uh, the situation in Gaza, uh, the siege in Gaza, the horrific uh, situation there. And it's easy for them to to forget about it and not understand the frustration and the unlivable conditions there. And when it explodes like this, in this horrific and terrible and criminal way, also it's hard to find the answer because most people don't look into the daily living condition and the part uh, of the Israelis in that uh, siege and in the the blockade of Gaza for over 17 years. This event exactly proves, in my opinion, the failure of this government and more broadly the Israeli conception that you can lock people for so many years under a siege and a blockade and think uh, this will not explode in some horrific way.
2: Oren says it's hard to estimate the changes that might happen to Israeli politics and to what limited hopes for a long-term solution
1: remain. I think on the on the immediate level, we might see in some scenario Netanyahu resigning and going home, although I don't think this will happen so quick. But on the longer term, I think we'll see a similar process to what we saw in the second uh, Intifada Many people in the Israeli public said the fact that the second intifada started is a proof that there's no partner for peace and and so on, despite the fact that it was not really accurate. I think we will see a similar process that many people will say we believed in peace, we believed in some kind of so called coexistence. We thought that there should be some solution, but with the horrific results of uh, the attack, Unfortunately, I think many people will uh, go into the more extreme right as this can be imagined.
2: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Khalil Sultan and David Enders, with Sari El Khalili, Sonia Bagat, Ashish Malhotra, Amy Walters, Faranisa Campana, Miranda Lynn, Chloe Kay Lee, Zayna Bazar, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.